Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Either you could be a victim or a victor, depending upon how you look at your trial, depending upon the perspective you decide to take. If Paul had been wrapped up in himself, he would have come unraveled. He would have fallen apart. But instead, his life was hid in God, in Jesus Christ. Instead, his life centered around God. Reaching up high, with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives, so we can be our hands and feet. What do we focus on during trials? Do we lean on God's strength and His promises? As we continue to study the life of Paul, we see how he puts his trust in God in the midst of trials. In today's teaching, Pastor Ed will exhort us to look for ways to worship God through our difficult circumstances. We must be aware that the devil wants us to resent our trials so that he can defeat us. Don't be overcome by hard circumstances, but rely on the power of the Lord. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Redemptive Suffering. that become a means of pride in your life, God sometimes allows a thorn in the flesh. Because as you read the context of chapter 12, it's a stake, actually in the Greek, a stake right through his flesh. Now, I I don't know what that stake was. I tend to think it was something physical. It could have been something else. Maybe... It was severe headaches, some scholars have suggested, that were so painful that he couldn't, he had to sit on the sidelines for a while. Maybe it was some other physical ailment that was like a stake of pain driven right through him. Uh, Perhaps it was those who followed him and dogged his steps who tried to undo the work of the gospel that he did. Whatever it was, he prayed. He asked God for deliverance, and God came back to him and said, Saul, Paul, no. Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking God to deliver you, unless God says, I'm not going to do it. But in the midst of it, find his strength. Lean on his arm. John Stott, one of the great preachers of our time, was having meetings in Sydney, Australia. It was the last night of the campaign, and the auditorium was packed. The students from the university had gathered all of their friends, and they came to hear him speak. And John Stott had lost his voice. They gathered around him. They prayed for his healing. And John Stott prayed. He said, God, will you please remove this thorn in the flesh? But if you don't, let me have your sufficient grace. 
he could hardly croak out the words. He spoke in almost a whisper with his mouth right next to the mic. That night, the most incredible results was seen. Many came to the Lord. John Stott said, subsequently, he's gone back to Australia many times. He said, without exception, every single time that he's gone, people have come up to him and said, do you remember that night that you lost your voice? That was the night that I was saved. God, in the midst of our weaknesses, tells us, find our strength in him so that we could see and recognize that the excellency of the power isn't in us, it's in him, so that we could recognize that it's his grace that enables us to do anything for him. See, Paul was learning an important lesson that he had to lean on God. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what you're facing. But whatever that suffering may be, whatever that trial may be, in your strength, in your own ability, you can't handle it. See, God is wanting you to live on supernatural strength. Constantly, he's putting you in situations that you have to get into his word, that you have to depend upon prayer, that you have to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit to get you through because he wants you to learn to live a supernatural life. He wants you to come into fellowship with him and know the display of his power. Hallelujah. Oh, adversity can either destroy or build up depending on your chosen response. God has preordained opportunities for his children in suffering. Not that he always, hear me on this, not that he always is allowing the suffering or sending the suffering your way. Sometimes it's people who are living in disobedience like Jonah running from God. And because we're in that boat, we suffer the storm with them. Sometimes a person's rebellion against God falls out on us and we experience, as it were, the judgment that comes on them spills over into our lives. That alcoholic husband, that strained spouse, that disobedient child, those circumstances at the job. Sometimes it's a world in rebellion against God, and because that world is in rebellion against God, we are facing trials that they have brought into the circumstances of our lives. Listen to Peter's counsel, though. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if some strange, if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you will have a wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed to all the world. What we must do is depend on his strength. But there's something else that we have to do. We have to focus on God's perspective on our trials. 
We must focus on the divine perspective. He does that in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. There Paul is in a Roman jail. The Praetorian guard, that's the elite guard of the Roman government, is watching him. He's chained. He's no longer able to go from church to church, from community to community to preach. There he is. Does he look at his circumstance as some might and say, what a victim I am. No, he chooses the victor's standpoint. Either you could be a victim or a victor, depending upon how you look at your trial, depending upon the perspective you decide to take. If Paul had been wrapped up in himself, he would have come unraveled. He would have fallen apart. But instead, his life was hid in God, in Jesus Christ. Instead, his life centered around God. And when our lives center around God, the trials may come, the tests may come, the temptations may come, but they won't pull us apart. They won't rip us apart. They'll, in fact, strengthen us because we're depending upon a supernatural strength because we're looking at it from God's perspective. Hallelujah. Think about his situation there sitting in the cell, how his mind could have run away with him. What am I going to do? I'm going to stand before the Supreme Court of Rome. Life and death are ahead of me. I can lose my life. I can be executed. It could have been a dark cloud hanging over his head. But what does he do? He rejoices. He rejoices. Now that is certainly not natural. It is supernatural. Satan came by and said, give up. Satan came by and said, murmur, grumble, complain. The enemy would have come by and tried to plant that question in his mind. Why, 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 why me? The devil wants you to resent your circumstances so that he can defeat you. He wants to defeat your testimony. God wants to give you a testimony in your suffering. God wants to give you a testimony in your situation. The devil wants to dampen it and destroy it. But God wants to, in a sense, take that suffering and give you an incredible story. We must remember not to resent the suffering that comes our way, but to receive it. Now, I know that goes against some theology. I know a lot of people today would have problems with that theology, but that's what Paul did. He didn't resent it. He received it. And he brought it back to God. 
You may be going through a place of suffering and struggle now. Take that circumstance and give it to God and say, God, how can I worship you in the midst of this circumstance? Take it and use it as an act of praise, as an act of worship. And say, God, I'm going to use this situation that's in my life and I'm going to give you glory and honor and praise and you're going to be magnified in the midst of this. See, God was separating in his life the chaff from the wheat. He was separating the chaff from the wheat. Recognize God's working on you so he can work in you, so he can work through you. Recognize that in the circumstance, God is working on you so that he could work in you, so that he could work through you. He saw his suffering as a plus, not a minus. As an asset, not a debit. Two men looked out through the same bars. One sees the mud and the other sees the stars. For 40 long years, years, four decades, Fidel Castro tried to destroy the church of Jesus Christ in Cuba. He persecuted believers. They weren't allowed to go to the universities. They weren't allowed to advance in society. Many of them spent long terms in prison, but the church grew. The church multiplied. A Cuban believer made this insightful statement. Listen to his words. They're instructive for us who are so accustomed in our culture, in our society, to take the easy road. The search for meaning is just as crucial as the search for bread. While the economy around us is falling apart, Christians are living in a state of special grace. It is not difficult for Cubans to see the difference between the people of God and those who are desperately trying to live without faith. Ordinary Cubans are becoming aware of the church as a life-saving community of hope. Can our communities see the difference in our lives? Can they look at the membership of Faith Assembly of God and recognize in Faith Assembly of God a people who belong to God, who rejoice in the midst of suffering, whose heart is set on a world to come, who face trials and temptations and testings in a far different way than their neighbors who don't know Jesus Christ because they're depending upon a strength from above because they have a different insight into the situation of their lives, they recognize that these things are furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ in their life. They recognize that God is perfecting them. It's causing them to become more and more like the Savior they love as they respond in faith. Oswald Chambers asks this question. Neither usefulness nor duty His God's ultimate purpose, his aim, is to bring out the message of the gospel. And if that can only be done by his bruising me, why 
shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he? Carl Lawrence, in his book, The Church in China, writes, she was only 19 years old when her crumpled body was roughly thrown into a dungeon cell. There was no light. All she knew that she was somewhere underground. The floor was all wet. The smell told her it was human excrement. Rats and vermin were everywhere. There was no bed. So if she was to get any rest, it would be sitting on her own waist and that of others before her. As she sat on the floor, she felt something warm running down her arm. She grabbed it and for the first time realized she was still bleeding from the beating. Her body began to swell from the beating, silently squatting. So as little of her body as possible could rest on the floor, she began to thank the Lord that she was worthy to suffer for him. I've heard that somewhere before. I think it's in the book of Acts. All she would have had to do was to denounce her Savior, but she refused. And she was alone, beaten, but weeping tears of joy as her cell became a house of peace. Quietly she asked God for wisdom and strength, not that she would get out of this terrible place, but that Whatever he, wherever he put her, she would be able to continue to preach the gospel of her Lord. As the days passed, she became accustomed to the darkness. The bleeding had stopped. The swelling had gone down. As she sat quietly singing a hymn, the Lord gave her a message. This is to be your ministry. But she objected. I'm all alone. Whom can I preach to? She continued to pray that her ministry would be fulfilled. Suddenly an idea came to her. She stood up, called for the guard. Sir, can I do some hard labor for you? The guard looked at her with contempt, mingled with surprise. No one had ever made that kind of request before. Look, she exclaimed, this prison is so dirty, there is human waste everywhere. Let me go into the cells and clean up this filthy place. All you will have to do is to give me some water and a brush. Not to her surprise, she soon found herself on her hands and knees, cleaning and preaching. She was looking into the faces of people no longer recognizable as human beings. Through the continuous torture, they had lost all hope of ever seeing another human being who did not come to beat them. Oh! When they realized that they could have eternal life, they would get so excited. They would fall down on the dirty floor and repent of their sins. And very soon, everyone in that prison came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The communist officials became upset and angry because every time they yelled at the prisoners now or beat them now, they would say, we forgive you in Jesus' name. They took this young girl, and the prison warden, furious with her, demanded she would write her confession against the state. And she said, Lord, I've not done anything wrong. What can I do? And slowly the words came to her, and then faster she began to write, and then the warden took it and read it before the crowd. (laughs) 
He read the plan of salvation to him. <laughs> Beloved, what's important about your life? That you drive a nice car? That you live in a beautiful home? That you have a nice nest egg when you retire? And then what? And then what? When it's all over, when it's all finished, what really matters is how we use the few days that God has given us in this world to advance the gospel. Did you ever think that the suffering that has come into your life can be used to advance in? Don't retreat. Don't run. Don't hide. Face it squarely. Bring it to God. Tell him, Lord, I, I can't handle this situation on my own. God, give me your perspective on it. He'll answer that prayer. Maybe you've been witnessing in school or you're planning to share the gospel and then suddenly you're named as one of those strange Jesus people. Perhaps in the office you stand up and say, I believe that sin is sin and premarital sex and homosexuality and all these things are wrong. Or perhaps you stand up and, and you take a, a stand against abortion and that's not the way the culture is going. Or Don't be surprised that the world doesn't applaud you. It didn't applaud Jesus and it won't applaud his followers. But know this, he'll come right beside you. He'll stand with you and he'll carry you through. The things that happened unto me are not by chance, I know, but because my Father's wisdom has willed to have it so for the furtherance of the gospel as a part of his great plan, God can use our disappointments and the weaknesses of man. In the midst of your weakness, God's there. Suffering can do several things in the life of the believer. First, it can burn out the dross or purify us and lead us to greater holiness of life. But it can also burn in the promises. Hear that? You begin taking this as bread and meat and life. You begin standing on God's promise. And even in the midst of a prison, you can sing. I've seen it happen. This past week I've been praying. Joan is a beautiful Christian woman that has suffered so much. And I was thinking about Joan. How every time I visited her in the hospital... I'd go away blessed. I'd visit Joan, and in every room, without exception, she would say, Pastor, I'd like you to meet my friend. And inevitably, she had witnessed to that person. And I remember she said, Pastor, my nurse is coming to church next week. I led her to the Lord. 
there's a package right outside your door. The UPS man didn't bring it. It was sent from heaven. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching series entitled, Walking in Our Salvation. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There, you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word reads.